0: Ancestor by number one New York Times bestselling novelist Scott Sigler is available for free on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello and welcome to the Drabblecast, episode 355. The Travelcast is a weekly audio fiction magazine that brings strange stories by strange authors to strange listeners, such as yourself. I'm your host, Norm Sherman. This week, we close out Women and Aliens Tribute Month here on the Travelcast with a Travelcast original called Kariki Grocery by author Tori Hoke always fun to bring this special series of alien stories written by talented women writers to you folks each year special thanks to Travelcast's special anthology editor nikki drayden for running the show this past month as guest editor i dug her picks and i hope you did too Women have always written Great SF, but there's this idea you might have heard of called the glass ceiling, where hard working women in corporate America have been able to see high levels of success above them and even see beyond them, but are stuck from ever reaching the top because of this thin, transparent, artificial barrier, and presumably the urge to stop and windex. <laughs> I'm just playing. Because of attitudinal and corporate bias that people aren't always even aware they have. That's the glass ceiling, folks. But SF is different. Because SF is the genre of rocket ships. And reaching beyond the ceiling is all part of the game there, Holmes. Reaching beyond the atmosphere. Beyond the stars. Beyond frickin' space-time. SF is the genre of rocket ships because... ceilings ain't no ceilings in zero g baby that's earth talk right there the game has changed brother poop floats out here get with the program and sf is also the genre of aliens the idea of others out there possibly even explorers possibly even explorers a little like us intelligent with aspirations and viewpoints and predispositions of their own How do we behave towards these things, these things that come from some different place than us? How readily do we accept them and trust them, or oppress them and exploit them? And sure, vice versa, but we can't even begin to interpret and discern any sort of alien mind without filtering it through our own lenses of logic and understanding. SF as the genre of rocket ships, and SF as the genre of the alien, of the other, share one thing in common, and it's that they're both all about seeing past that metaphorical ceiling made of glass, exploring as far beyond that ceiling as one might dare. But one of them uses transparent glass, and the other reflective, and there lies the difference. And there are worlds of difference there, folks. Galaxies, even. Before we get to our story this week, I have a kick-ass announcement to make. If we could somehow find a way to destroy the Wayans' brother broodmother, the break in her psychic link with the rest of her hive will instantly render the entire innumerable chittering throng inert and lifeless. But could our souls bear such an act of genocide? Gods have mercy on us all. Now, it's even better than that. It's time for the 2014 Travelcast People's Choice Awards. Once again, it's that time of the year. You fans and listeners get to nominate and vote for your favorite stories of the past year. And not just stories. You get to decide the best episode cover art, best 100-word Drabble, and best 100-character Twabble story, too. This whole shebang is run through our Drabblecast discussion forums at forums.drabblecast.org, where you'll see the People's Choice thread prominently right there at the top. So head on over there and nominate your favorites, Stories, Drabbles, Twabbles, and Cover Art, from among the lists provided in each of the nomination threads. You can nominate up to five in each category. The nomination round closes Sunday, April 19th, 11.59pm Pacific Time, roughly two weeks from now. Once the nomination round is finished, we'll round up the top five nominees in each category and start the two-week voting round, after which we'll determine the winners. The victorious parties get groovy plaques and Drabble swag, and the winner of Best Story of 2014 gets, of course, the Drabblecast Sacred Chalice of Glory. So get on in there, folks. Support the authors and creators that really shook you up last year and knocked your socks off. All right, on to our feature story this week. Kariki Grocery by Tori Hoke. Tori writes, draws, and codes in Los Angeles. Her fictions appeared in Strange Horizons, Lore, and Three-Lobed Burning Eye. And her art has appeared in Strange Horizons, Apex, and Spellbound. And now Drabblecast. That's her cover art this week, folks. If you say the words, interactive fiction, she will elbow her way through a crowded room to talk to you. Give it a shot. Follow her on Twitter at Tori Hoke or at toryhoke.com So without further ado, we bring you Kuriki Grocery by Tori Hoke. The last day of orientation at New Plymouth University, work placement called students up in pairs. Rhonda Marillo took the chair next to a big-boned blonde girl, Deidre, pretty sure, as their peer advisor announced their exciting cultural opportunity, stocking shelves at Kariki Grocery. "'of Crater Fox Block,' he said, "'offering them lime jumpsuits. "'The store's built on their scale, "'but the city's on ours. "'You provide endurance, size, and visual cortex. "'They provide total immersion.' "'This was raw news for Rhonda. "'Slender, Havana manicured, "'and so short her kitten heels barely met carpet. "'But she kept her smile in place. "'It was my understanding I'd be teaching.' "'Oh, and you will. Your second term. "'But Kuriki put in an excellent bid, and we like to give them excellent students.' "'Oh, that's kind of you,' said Rhonda, "'stealing a glance at Deidre's broad shoulders and six-foot reach. "'But I'm not sure I excel the way they're looking for.' "'Oh, you'll do fine.' "'Equally balked, Deidre tossed her bangs. "'And how does this contribute to our program?' cultural integration he said as you know being invited back is he made a narrow gap with his hands very competitive we'd hate to see you leave our university Rhonda's heart sank i took a 20000 loan for this my chances can't come down to my upper body strength isn't there some work that's less physical look the advisor dropped an anchor man's octave and leaned across his desk I've been there. I know it sucks, but you'll have the tools you need. Trust me, it's three months. Just do the time. So Rhonda unfolded the jumpsuit. In Chigu language, the pocket logo read, Local Food Star Service. It was just her size, extra small. Two weeks later, she was wearing it. Armed with trimmed nails, work gloves, and a pamphlet on ergonomic lifting, Rhonda watched from the transit tube window as cold, samey high rises gave way to grow towers. Teeth rattlingly fast, the tube plunged underground into the cobwebbed lights of Crater Fox Block. Photos hadn't prepared her for the burrows up close, spiraling like an M.C. Escher, glowing with swaying strings of pear-shaped lanterns. Slim as lemurs, the few early rising citizens walked the floors on two feet and climbed the walls on four. "'Off the tube, Rhonda ducked power lines and curious stares "'as she followed her map to the passage for Kariki Grocery. "'Down its spiral, she walked into a whiff of Mission Cologne and a dream vapor. "'Someone else here?' "'But when she turned, she was alone. "'She buzzed the door. "'The orange Kareki sign loomed overhead. "'Standing under Chigu letters, real language in the wild, "'gave her a swarm of butterflies.' I'm here. I'm really here. She reached up and touched the shining key. You touch it, you clean it, barked a fox voice near her knees. In her own tiny lime jumpsuit, key coil jingling on her arm, a sable crater fox stalked barefoot through the glass doors and up the wall to stand eye to eye. Rhonda, eh? (laughs) You came to work or what? Uh, kind to meet you, stammered Rhonda. I'm Pell, co-manager. Come on in. The store was the size of a high school gym and smelled like a laundromat. Striding ahead, Pell pointed down the row of checkout stands to a waist-high wooden door. Let's put you on the clock. Rhonda boggled at the aisles, a forest of shelves soaring to ceiling nets, all loaded with food she'd only seen on flashcards. Her head spun with questions. How do you tell if a queso fruit's ripe? And do you eat the fur or not? Pell hopped from register to register, tidying impulse buys with her tail. No cursin', no eatin' in the store, and for salt's sake, don't touch anyone, eh? Yes, boss. I stock the ceiling. you stock the rest. Store opens at nine, second cashier comes at ten. She patted toes on the cash register. No ringing for you, lucky face. New rules since the cash grab last week. You got robbed? Eh, only a little. But if small robbers get lucky, big ones follow. Big ones turn up with a block gun. Break your ribs. You see anything strange, you tell me. She reached under the counter for a black button that buzzed. Twice for manager, three for emergency. You hear three? Get out. Dow security. There's a pad in the truck dock. She pointed to the back of the store and another in the office. Pell unlocked the wooden door onto kindergarten-sized table and chairs. Here's the break room. Not that you'll be using it. She unlocked the strictly fox-sized door at her elbow onto a sleek beige office. Rose squatted to reach the keypad on the wall. Green and star to clock in, said Pell. Blue and star for security. Code changes every week. She ducked under Rhonda's arm to lead her down an aisle of doll-sized snacks. You have kids? Uh, No, boss. I have three grown and two at home, just losing the second teeth. Good kids. Ronda ventured an idiom. Good as eggs? Sure are, Pell bared her back teeth with pride. Salt knows where they get it from, too. Beyond a pair of vinyl flaps, their footsteps boomed on plain cement in the monstrous back room. Plain halogen lamps lit the corridor to the freezer, the wall-mounted box crusher, the roll-up door of the loading dock. Kariki's cello-wrapped pallets of groceries looked the same as any pallet of stuff any city any planet would have. Some of the boxes were as big as end tables. Rhonda gave a giggle of dread. Pell pointed at the chrome freezer door. That's you. With only the shabby store coat for warmth, Rhonda confronted the pallets waiting in the freezer. The custom pick sheet listed items in Chigu, Rome phonetic, and English translation. Fang chicken, yolk cream, cheese pie. The boxes were less helpful, only logos, no handholds, and corners so sharp they dug ashy scrapes down her arms. She worked her way through the pallets, groaning with effort, shivering with cold. She hit a stuck box and yanked it. The cardboard tore and dumped twenty pounds of curd on her feet. She cussed in both languages. At least after this I can get warm. Pell rapped on the glass display doors. How's progress? Very well, said Rhonda, gathering curd. Pell's voice turned gentle if something's jammed, work around. Force is failure. Ronda massaged her foot. Noted. Good. Pell pointed to the chrome door at the deep end of the freezer. Deep freeze is next. While Rhonda threw moose cakes and fruit cubes, Pell ran office, aisle, and register, ringing up customers in a piping voice, demonstrating Tsi Gary was the greeting for elders, and Eh Kerry was more casual. Emboldened as she stalked the floor cooler, Rhonda tried Tsi Gary on a sweet, white faced old fox man. His answer was a yodeling laugh. "'It's your accent,' said Pell on her way past. "'Your G is too deep and your S is too forward. "'Makes you sound drunk.' Rhonda clapped a hand on her horrified mouth. "'Truly? "'Eh, well, only a little.' "'The first day their schedules overlapped, "'Deidre marched into the back with a ponytail and a scowl. "'We interrupt your regularly scheduled suck "'for this special suck announcement. "'It's not so bad, Deidre.' First week of class about killed me. Look at you, though, getting some muscle on you. Body for Kariki. Ronda heaved open the box crusher door to a ramp still packed with boxes. Oh, found you a present. Are you kidding me? I got got 'em last time. Muttering, Deidre clambered inside and kicked the clot loose. From the darkness at the bottom of the ramp, she said, Don't you think this is a little beneath us? It's Crater Fox Block. Rhonda demonstrated fox height with her hand. Everything's a little beneath us. Deidre's laugh chimed through with the crusher, surprisingly loud. With a sheepish grin, Ronda looked around to find Pell at the vinyl flaps, watching them with flashing eyes. After that, Pell said less. So, reviled at work, Rhonda doubled down at school. She rarely saw Deidre on campus, but she made friends in international relations and aced an exam in language theory. In the East Commissary, her pronunciation impressed Gree Redguard, a soft-spoken Crater Fox first year. They started meeting for lunch twice a week, English on Tuesday, Chigu on Thursday. Rhonda made Gree his first papus relinus. "'Gree made Ronda queso-fruit dumplings, no fur. "'When Pell criticized Ronda's pronunciation, "'it was Gree who showed her how to roll a glottal stop. "'In return, she helped him tell V from F. "'When Pell called down Rhonda "'for her handwriting on the pick sheets, "'is that a six or a two? "'It was Gree who explained what order to draw the strokes.' In return, Rhonda explained longhand, distinct from print, distinct from type. When Pell started using heavy idioms to leave Rhonda out of conversations, it was Gree who loaned her a dictionary and explained the two-syllable search technique. In return, she translated El Amor en Nueva Plymouth, the year's best-selling webtoon. Pell's on your trail or nowhere, huh? asked Gree. Only a little. It's my own fault anyway. He waved a chestnut hand. Try not to take it in the ribs. Bosses like to be on tails. It paid off at midterm stats when she made nine or better in every class. When Rhonda asked Deidre about hers, all she said was, "'Don't ask.'" As Syzygy Day rolled closer, Crater Fox Block doubled their lanterns and added garlands of yellow fronds. Customers crushed in, more buyers meant more sales, and Rhonda found herself with twice as many pallets for the same hours. To set the pace, she wore earbuds. To protect her hair, she wore a No West scarf in a Chiquita twist. To protect her arms, she wore running sleeves in smashing pink. No one else looks this good killing backstock. One of those frantic days, Rhonda was stalking the floor cooler when she smelled a dream and Mission cologne. Nearby strolled a silver fox, long coat on his back, can of Charmy paste in his hand, searching the store with the pale, staring eyes of a sled dog. As he walked, he leaned strangely to the side. "'Can I be of service?' Rhonda asked in chigu. "'No, friend,' he said in a rumbling voice. "'I'm just looking.' It took her an hour to pluck up the courage to knock on the break-room door for Pell. You said to tell you if I saw something strange? Ledger in hand, Pell opened up, never hostile, only chilly. Report? There was a silver fox stiff-walking in here, looking a lot, not buying much. Huh? Pell's eyes flashed around the store. Is he still here? I don't think so. I'll make a note. Let me know if you see him again. Before she closed the door, she added, "'Sharp eye.'" Later that night, Rhonda found one lonely can of Charmy paste on a shelf near the door. The week before finals, three books deep at the library, in a shared kiosk with Gree, Rhonda got the call from Pell. "'Can you come in?' "'I'm not on the schedule.' "'Dee called out sick. "'It's the day of the syzygy. "'I got twelve pallets in the back. "'Food will rot.' Rhonda shot Gree a look of distress. "It's my term presentation." "I know what's important to you, Rhonda. Pell pulled the R like a growl. "This is what's important to me. 3 hours. That's all I ask." Rhonda made her apologies to Gree, slouched back to the dorm for her jumpsuit and caught a capsule down. They came through the truck tunnel. Even with a headlamp, Joe bumped his head and, worse, griped like it was any fault but his It was Joe who brought the cat carrier, which Riga hated But humans are happier when they think they're in charge More predictable Besides, anything was better than shooting her Riga checked the beige block gun on his hip, printed just last week Riga fell back, whiskers vibrating, while Joe pried the dock gate up Joe was a young adult, soft through the middle but broad through the shoulders, and deserved watching. Beside, Riga, fluffy-faced tack, switched his tail with apprehension, and Riga reached over to ruffle the kid's scruff. Steady, my boy, as Joe wrenched the gate high enough to roll through. In arrow formation, the three padded through the forest of pallets. A whiff of lard puffs made Riga's gut rumble. Got to work hungry, got to stay sharp. A scouting glance through the vinyl flaps, and there she was. Pell, they said, hanging from the store ceiling, stuffing Ketchaloo fruit in nets. No pleasure like a plan well made. Riga pointed, but thick-necked, long-footed Joe took too long to notice, to process, to raise his eyes above horizon. "'Sharpen up, Pinky!' Riga bounded up Joe's arm to stand on his shoulder and point right past the bald cheek. Unmistakable, only a blind beast could miss her. Joe caught on, but too slow. Pell sensed their eyes and whirled. Riga and Tack shot up the walls like twin jets, but she slipped her grip and plunged to the floor in a Ketchaloo shower. She bolted away. They tackled her, pinning her wrists, dodging her slashing feet carrier in hand joe reached down and scruffed her as her body went limp Pell sent up a hail of panicked pheromones tack averted his nose riga said careful i know what i'm doing joe lowered her into the carrier as he fumbled the key coil off her wrist the moment he unscruffed her she sank fangs into his hand Joe jerked. Pell burst free and grabbed the keys. Riga and Tack chased. Joe drew his block gun and fired. Boxes exploded. In a hail of cereal, Pell rammed the key in the break room back door and slammed herself inside. Banging fists on the wood, Riga wheeled on Joe with contempt. Too slow. Joe yanked off his backpack and took out a screw gun. We'll catch up. In the deep freeze, Rhonda pulled out her earbuds. How many buzzes was that? She peered through the display case doors. The store's syzygy day garlands were swaying. From the break room came a muffled thump. Then two foxes in flak jackets jogged down the aisle, one auburn, one silver, with staring sled dog eyes. Robbery! Her muscles lurched to life. She hop-skipped out of the deep freeze, down the main freeze aisle, to ease open the outer door. Through the crack, she saw the foxes push through the vinyl flaps and take a right-hand turn toward the cooler hiding behind stacks one eye on their backs Rhonda hopped from pallet to pallet to the dock the gate stood open scuffed with gray marks she rolled through into the darkness the black truck tunnel wound out of sight and the air was tepid and stale head on a swivel ronda ran down the dock to the security keypad blue star security code defiant the keypad buzzed Rhonda tried again, again, and again. Fear spiraled to panic. She squinted down the tunnel. I could run. I should run. One mile out and a half mile up. That's all right. Helpless, trembling, she turned to the glowing gap behind her. An eerie draft sucked through the empty truck tunnel and rattled the roll-up door like tin. Deep in the store, a fox screamed. I can't leave her like this. Ronda crawled through the gate. She hugged the first cello-wrapped stack, hidden as the silver fox led the red one near. The silver one murmured something, but her pounding heart drowned it out. Pupils dilated, the silver one dropped to all fours. Silently, Ronda hopped up, perching toes on the hollow pallet, leaving no feet to find as the sled dog eyes raked back and forth. Her calves trembled, her arches ached, cheek damp against cellophane, she peered at the box crusher door, beyond that, the corridor to the freezer, beyond that, the vinyl flaps. So many nooks and crannies, so many chances. There's no way they know this place better than I do. Riga caught Tack by the shoulder and pointed at the box crusher door, suddenly ajar, So there is someone else No pain like a plan with problems Guns up, they padded to the crusher Swung open the door and peered down the ramp into the black A few feet down, half buried in boxes Was a furry figure in a shabby coat Come on out, cousin, said Riga The coat didn't budge He turned to Tack I'll cover you With a swish of his tail, Tack jumped inside. His feet skidded and the metal ramp boomed. Hands sliding down the wall, he eased toward the coat. It's all right, girl, he stooped and yanked. The coat sprang up, queso fruit rolled out, and Tack toppled down the ramp. A rush of air swept Riga's whiskers. He growled and spun. Down a corridor, a big chrome door whooshed shut. Freezer has to be... He drew his gun, grabbed the chrome handle, and threw it open in time to see the door at the end of the freezer swing shut. How many doors are in this rancid store? Far behind him, Tack banged on the box crusher. Get me out! Hold tight, said Riga. Gun first, he trotted down the aisle to the inner door. A hard yank, and the door lurched open. Riga bolted in, aiming all directions. Nothing but frozen food. He kicked a crate of yolk ice. Where in salt's name did she go? Crouched outside the display door, gasping for air, Rhonda waited to see the silver fox, fully inside the deep freeze, fully confused, before she shot back down the aisle and through the vinyl flaps. The fox in the box crusher called out, Riga! Ronda seized a pallet jack and rammed it into the freezer door. A barricade. She swerved to the box crusher. Inside it, halfway up the ramp, spread eagle for balance, the auburn fox looked up in shock. Ronda slammed the crusher and locked the handle. The red fox let out a howl. Hunkered at the end of the aisle, Ronda peeked through the cereal shelves. A third one. There has to be a third one. Sure enough, summoned by the howl, a man crawled out of the break room and struggled to his feet. Human, not fox, and tall, best to stay unseen. Riga, he called. Tack. Block gun held high, the man came down the right side of the aisle. Rhonda stooped up the left, eyes on the man, and scrambled into the break room. Inside, the office was open. The safe was open. A backpack full of Crater Fox cash sat next to a cat carrier. There was a tiny body inside the carrier, and it didn't move. Oh, Jesus, no. Rhonda unlatched the carrier and reached for Pell's wrist. Her pulse was weak. Steady, Pell. We're getting out. Carrier in hand, huddled on the threshold, Rhonda sized up the distance to the front doors. Fox voices shouted from the back. The man was nowhere to be seen. Watching, listening, Rhonda rose on all fours like a sprinter, took a deep breath, and streaked off. Every stride brought her closer to the glass doors, to freedom, to the familiar figure outside, hooding its eyes to peer in. D? Said Rhonda. Thank God. I made it. Deidre's smile was square. Is everything okay? We're being robbed. Well, then open up. Let's get out. A clapping sound, and something socked Rhonda in the back. The impact set her sprawling belly down on the carrier. Gun in hand, Joe emerged from the aisles. Dee? She was leaving, Joe. She was getting out of the way. He unbolted the door. I didn't know it was you. Who the fuck else would it be? Their shapes moved past. Rhonda's face tingled. Her lungs wouldn't fill. Above the kidney, it got her. Pain radiated out like fireworks. You said there'd be one fox, said Joe. One fox. What happened to the others? Forget about them. Let's take Pell. What? What? Somewhere, the sound of a freezer case popping, a small body toppling out, and Chigu words hoarse with hate. "'Where's? Tack,' said Riga. "'You find bellowed Joe. "'You're the one who lost him. The fox walked one way, the humans went another, their voices cottony in Rhonda's ears. "'Did you get it open?' asked Deidre. "'Of course I did.' Ronda's eyesight dimmed and nausea bubbled up. Inside the carrier, Pell lifted glassy eyes. Ronda braced an arm on it. Don't pass out. Don't pass out. Dee, Riga called out. How's the crusher open? We're busy, hissed Joe. Figure it out. Stop them. Someone, anyone, Ronda fought for the air to say. Riga. No answer or none loud enough to hear but foxfeet padded closer. Raise the safety, gasped Rhonda. Drop the handle. Foxfeet padded away. The humans reemerged. Joe had a backpack. He pointed at Pell. You carry that. Leave her, said Deidre. We take the tunnel. They'll trap us in a tunnel. Not if we leave now. Two foxes came back. "'Ronda leaned on the carrier, breathing carefully, battling stars from her vision. "'Riga gestured to the backpack. "'Is everything okay?' "'Yeah,' said Joe. Well, "'Then give us the bag. "'We'll hide it in the city, and we'll meet up later. <laughs> "'Like hell, nobody takes the bag but me. "'They're watching the money.' "'Slowly, quietly, Rhonda rolled onto her knees. "'Let them take it, Joe.' Deidre tugged on the backpack. We'll change clothes. Catch the tube. Back off, Dee. Joe, said Riga. Listen. Be quiet. I'm trying to think. They shouted too fast to make sense of. Carrier under her arm, Rhonda crawled for the door. Give us the bag. Get off of me. She lifted a numb hand to the bolt and twisted. It clicked open. Someone heard a fox voice said, "'Stop her! You stop her!' said Joe. Somewhere, fabric tore. Behind Rhonda came barking, roaring, a big body-hitting tile. Deidre screamed. Something warm and wet spattered Rhonda's arm as she slid open the door and limped into the night. At the end of her sight, green lights flashed, shouting, running feet. She dragged the carrier towards the lights and shouts until her strength gave out and her vision pinholed to gray. Overground at the human hospital, they told Rhonda she had two broken ribs and a punctured lung. She spent a week recuperating, presentation postponed, improving lung capacity and answering investigators. Pell spent three weeks cooped up in rehab after surgery for a broken hip and a ruptured lymphatic. Her children stayed with an aunt in town, and between their visits, Pell passed time complaining about the food and destroying Rhonda at online poker, saying, "'I'm not going easy on you just because you came back for me, eh?' "'Yes, boss.' "'Coming back was stupid.' "'Yes, boss.' Kuriki Grocery terminated their agreement with New Plymouth University, pending a reorganization of the school's overly competitive first-year program. City security arrested Joe and Deidre, but the foxes were gone, and so was the money. Crater Fox Block filed suit against the city, and the store filed suit against the block, but it would take a miracle if any of it fed more than the lawyers'. Pell was back at work before the season was out. Rhonda found a clerical job at the embassy, good pay, no uniform, but she missed heavy lifting so much she joined a gym. Gree won his internship, and to celebrate, Rhonda took him to Tower 2 for dinner. Someone else's cooking, someone else's food. And every syzygy or so, she headed back to Crater Fox Block to meet Pell for lunch, stories, and pictures of the kids, good as eggs. <laughs> That was our story. Hope you enjoyed it. That was a fun one. Let's close things out this week with our 100-character story winner. This week, by forum member and twabble master, Drew did this with this one here. The Assassin's Wives Club threw her a party for her first kill. A small party with a small cake that no one dared to touch. 100-character stories. We call them twabbles. We have a weekly 100-character story writing contest that we run through our forums. There's a TwitFix section there that you can find and submit stories as much as you like. We might pick yours next week. We might post it out on our Twitter feed early at the Drabblecast. Give it a shot. It's fun. All right, folks, that's our show this week. Remember, the Cast is brought to you with a Creative Commons attribution, non-commercial, no derivatives license, which means don't change it, don't sell it, but feel free to share it all you like. Our program this week was brought to you by Special Anthologies editor, Nikki Drayden, our chief editor, Nathan Lee, art director, Bo Kyer, with additional help from Tom Baker, David Carvin, and David Stefan. We'll see you next week, weirdos. Until then, this is Norm Sherman, reminding you, poop floats out here, bro. Get with the program.